Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So last night I accidentally drank a bottle of invisible ink. I went to the hospital and spent hours waiting to be seen. <laughs> hey, what do you, I like this one personally. What do you call two birds stuck together? Velcro. <laughs> if you don't know, my last name's Crow, so that joke is a little personal. All right. <clears throat> Today is Stan Sunday. Stand Sunday is the day around America that we remember uh, kids in the foster care system. And uh, it's a day that we remember those who have some struggles in their childhood. And um, so one of our Kingdom Builder projects for this year is that we are doing, um, well, let me see, we're, we're going to give gift cards to every single kid in Lorraine County that's in the foster care system. We're going to give them Christmas gifts. Yeah. So something else we're going to do is we're going to write them a handwritten note just to let them know that they're loved, and we're going to send them these cards in the mail. Or actually, they'll be hand-delivered. And if, uh, I tell you what, if you're interested in, you're like, my heart just leapt out of my chest to do this, talk to Pastor Caleb, because he's going to need some help writing all these cards and dressing it. And we're not going to open this up to everybody. We're only going to open up to those of you that absolutely, that is exactly your heart leapt out of your chest. Talk to Pastor Caleb. Let's get that done. So I got an email for Stan Sunday. I got an email from uh, Judith Padua from the Lorraine County Family Services. And she said to this date in 2022, we have accepted 1,341 referrals of abuse and neglect for children. Oh, dear Lord. 1,341 kids. Referrals to families of kids that are being... Um, potentially neglected or abused. That breaks my heart. That ought not happen. And then she said, uh, of those 315 families are receiving ongoing services and 151 children are in the agency's temporary custody. That's how many we're going to be reaching out to. It's 151 children. And the average age is 8.5 years of age. Now, when I tell those stats and talk about this, there, there are three things. First of all, would you be willing to be a foster parent? If you're in the room and your heart's sort of open to the foster parenting thing and God's talked to you in the past, I'm going to ask him like to scream it louder in your ears. And if you're open to being a foster parent and that's something God might be calling you to, I'm going to encourage you as part of the church of Jesus Christ to show the love of God to kids who, uh, who need love, and would you be open to doing it? So uh, three responses I'm asking of you today. Number one, if that's you and God's dealing with you about being a foster parent, would you just go ahead and take the next step? Contact me this week. We'll, we'll get you in touch with people that can, can help you get it done. Secondly of all, would you support Kingdom Builders? That's the second thing you can do. These are practical things you can do to help. Kingdom Builders, we're going to give money in the form of a gift card, and we're going to give a note, but we're going to give something else. We're going to give love without asking anything in return. We're just going to give these kids love. 
And what we're going to pray for is that every one of those cards, every one of those gift cards, and every one of those notes, every one of them would be so filled with love that when they open it, these kids would experience the love of God expressed through us. And then the third thing is, would you pray with me? Probably the most powerful thing you can do is pray with me. Pray with me for these kids. Before we do that, though, I want to say something about adoption and, and, uh, and foster parenting here for just a second, all right? I want to make this very, very clear. There are sometimes, uh, by the way, if you are a child of Jesus Christ, you have given your heart to him, you are adopted. According to the scriptures, you were adopted. You had run away from home and you had disowned your father and you were out of your father's family. And God brought you back in by adopting you. So if you're in the room and you're following Jesus, you're adopted. So there isn't anything in the kingdom of God that speaks anything negative over foster or adopted children because we are all God's foster and adopted children. Y'all follow me? All right. So you know what I think we should do? I think we should ask our adopted father, our foster father, to show the love of God to these kids. And, and what I would like you to do is, it is stand Sunday. Would you stand with me and let's pray for these kids together. Can we do that? All right. We're going to pray. Father God, we thank you for adopting us and bringing us into your family. Thank you that you chose us. You know, some kids are born to mom and dad and others get chosen. <laughs> and those we choose are chosen because we want to. And you chose us because you want to. And God, there are foster parents all around Lorraine County that are showing love because they want to. I pray that you would bless those in, who are uh, foster parents, that you would give them an incredible blessing of your love, mercy, provision, power, goodness, and might, and that you would cause it to be a thousandfold what they give away poured back on them. We pray as well that as we endeavor as your people to reach out and show them love, that every one of these foster kids would experience the love of God through the cards we give and the notes we write, and that they would experience the love of God when they get it. Let them be overwhelmed with the love of God and the love of the body of Christ for them. Now, we pray over these kids that you would keep them from harm. You know, there's a lot of bad situations, and there's a lot of things that are hurting them. But we ask you to keep them from harm. And if there are things that are hurting them, I know that you are the God that is able to take the things that bring pain and to create out of that character and strength and blessing because you've done it in my life. You do it in so many of our lives. So I pray that nothing would harm these kids and the things that hurt them would only be sources of strength and encouragement for them in the future and that they would become the people you've called them to be. God, we bless them and we ask your mercy upon them. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So don't be seated. Don't sit down because you know what we're going to do? I'm going to read the scripture while you're standing, all right? Honor of God's word. We stand for the scripture. I'm going to read our scripture from today. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Matthew 25, 14. 14. Again, it, speaking of the kingdom of God, is what it is. The kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So Y'all get the story. You got to get the beginning of the story to get it all. Guy has a bunch of money. He's going on a journey. He takes his money. He gives it to his servants and says, here, take my wealth. And he said to the first one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags of gold, another one bag. Now the word there, talent, it's the equivalent to about five years wages or something like that. It's a lot of money. So he's giving a lot of money to these servants and he's saying, here, take this money and he gave it to them each according to their what? Ability. Ability. 
He didn't give the five bags of gold to the guy that can only have the ability to handle one, did he? He gave the five bags of gold to the guy that had the ability to handle five. So he doesn't expect five bag of gold return out of the three talent and the one talent guy. He knows what their ability is and he's giving them opportunity and resources to fit what they can handle. Are, you, are y'all following me here? All right, good. This is really key and important because God, your father, gives you resources too according to your ability. Now notice what happened. He went on his journey and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Okay. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Do you know why he did that? You know what we talked about last week? We talked about a poverty mentality. Did we talk about that last week? And I know there were some of you, you got ticked off at me. As a matter of fact, there are people who aren't at church today because you got mad at me for what I had to say last week about a poverty mentality, that you're rich. And the problem is the way you think about life, it's not the facts of what you have in your hand, it's the way you view it through your mind. And I know that's offensive to some of you. And I know it's offensive. I know it's offensive that I'm telling you you're rich and you think you're not rich, so you mess up your life because that's how you view yourself. That's not the facts. And I know that's offensive. And I try not to be offensive on purpose, but sometimes I just have to be offensive. The reason I have to be offensive is, I I will tell you this, I have made some big changes in my life and not one of those changes ever came because everything was perfect. Every big change I made in life has come because things weren't perfect and I got mad when my counselor said that to me or when my wife said that to me, right? Sometimes you got to have somebody get, get mad at because they push you off of where you're at. So understand that I'm not trying to make you mad at me, but I'm going to make you mad at me again today. <laughs> Probably will do it, yes. And if I make you mad at me today, I'm not trying to be a jerk to you. What I am trying to do is push you off of the place you're living that isn't healthy. So that being said, why did this guy fail? Why did he fail? Because he viewed his abilities wrongly. His master knew what he could do and gave him something to do it, but he viewed it wrongly. So what did he do? He, uh, so after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of... Notice faithfulness for a little gives you faithfulness for a lot. Okay, come and share your master's happy with you. The man with the two bags of gold came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of. You notice few to many. Faithfulness with little means you get a lot. So come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew you're a hard man. What does he immediately do? He deflects. You've got to catch this. Because I deal with this all the time with people. I talk to people all the time. And if your life's a mess, you deflect that it's somebody else's fault. My life's a mess, but it's my dad's fault. My life's a mess, and I can't earn a living, but it's my boss's fault. 
My life's a mess, but it's the government's fault, or it's my wife's fault, or it's somebody else's fault. And I want you to see that if you ever want to become the person you want to be, and God wants you to be, you got to quit blaming everybody else for your decisions. <laughs> Told you you'd get mad at me. So what happened? He said, uh, <clears throat> he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. In other words, he's calling him a jerk, a thief. And he said this, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. <laughs> and notice what the master said. His master replied, you've not, uh, let me see. You wicked, lazy servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a jerk and that I'm harvesting where I haven't sown. And gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then why didn't you at least put my money on loan with a banker so I could get 0.01% interest, which is more than you gave me? That, that's what it says, right? Okay. All right. So take the bag of gold from the, from the one who had one bag of gold. Take it away from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags. What? That doesn't seem fair. Well, of course it does if you're a master. Because who can you trust? <laughs> for whoever has will be given more and they will be have an abundance and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and then throw notice notice the response and we're almost done notice the response of this servant to this servant he said throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now that's language that Jesus uses throughout the New Testament to describe hell his Blaming of his master, his failure to do what he was told, his failure to do what he was told led to his being cast out into hell. You following me? Okay. God, add a blessing to your word. Thanks. Amen. Before you seated, turn and give somebody a big smile and say, you chose to sit next to the most good looking person you will sit next to. <laughs> Tell them good to see you this morning. If you're online. I'm so glad you're here. All right, before I share three, two truths from this story, from this parable of Jesus, I want to ask, does somebody in the room have $100 you would like to give me? Anybody in the room have $100? No. Jeff? Oh, yeah, yeah you gotta, would you give it to me then? Got $100 you'd like to give me. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, Jeff. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So he just walked up and gave me a $100 bill. I should have asked for two. <laughs> Why, hold on, hold on, wait. Why do you think Jeff was so quick to give me my $100? Because for service, I walked up to him and said, Hey, Jeff, would you take this $100? <laughs> and when I asked, would you just hop up and give it to me real fast? Why, why, why was he so quick to give me $100? Whose was it? It was already mine. And he was just holding it for me, right? Wow. Now, did he, do you think he struggled in his heart about giving me my $100 back? No, because if he didn't, I'm chasing him after service. <laughs> Can we acknowledge the first truth of getting a proper grasp of what Jesus is talking about in this parable? It's a very simple truth. Y'all ready? It ain't yours. It ain't yours. The, you ready for the first truth? Here's the first truth. God 
owns it all. God owns it all. So this is the first truth. The biggest mistake we make is that we claim ownership of what belongs to God. Numbers 27, 16 says, it's God that gives breath to all living beings. You a living person? Remember the Yahweh? You're calling out the name of God with every breath because it is God who gives you breath. Deuteronomy 8, 18, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Who gives you the ability? God gives you the ability. If you've got ability, who gave it to you? God. So God gave you breath, he gave you ability. How about this one? Job 41, 11. Everything under heaven belongs to me. How much of this world, how much belongs to God? Everything, everything. It's how much of it is his? All of it. 1 Corinthians 10, 26. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. So what do we know about your life? It's God's. What do we know about your health? It's God's. What do we know about your abilities? It's God's. What do we know about your house? It's God's. What do we know about your car? It's God's. What do we know about everything that you possess and everything in this world? It's already His. On the title deed, it says, owned by Yahweh. All right? Can we acknowledge that? If we acknowledge that, then what that does is we step from being owners of stuff to being managers of stuff. If God gives you what you have and gives you the ability, then it's His, not yours. So the problem is when we start thinking it's ours, we actually start stealing stuff from God. So if you think that it's yours, then you think your life, your money, your sexual identity, your sexual practices, your health, you think all of those things are yours, but they're not actually yours. They're God's gift to you, and what you need to do is honor Him by the way you manage it. You don't own your life. You know God has killed people. This is not a pleasant conversation we like to have, but God has killed people. Ananias and Sapphira, Korah, you know, the earth opens up, swallows people. You know, God still has the power to kill you. Maybe in a couple of weeks, God woke me up early this morning, and I think I'm going to preach sermon real soon on the fear of God, because we don't have it anymore, because you, you, we got some namby-pamby, wimpy view of God. He's just some good deity up in heaven, waiting on a rainbow and fairies and clouds to give you what you want. And God's like, that ain't me. You know, he has the power to take your life from you. He has that power. And the Bible says, Jesus said, y'all ready? Jesus said, you should fear God who has the ability to destroy your body and your soul in hell. If God owns it all and you're misusing it, you're stealing from God. That's not a smart place to be. So God doesn't need anything from you. Because it's already his. So everything you have, he actually loans it to you. What? Come on, if Jeff would have taken my money, I gave it to him as a loan. I would not be friends with a guy that would steal 100 bucks from me when I ask him for a specific purpose. Right? And some of you wonder why you struggle with God. You know why you struggle with God? Because you're a thief and he's mad at you. 
We'll establish this a little bit more in a second. You know, every good gift comes from God. Yes, James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift is from above. And even your very life comes from God. Ecclesiastes 12.7. The Spirit returns to the God who gave it. God owns it all. Second thing we know is God gives us stewardship. Now, in the parable, the master gives his money to his servants. And they were given according to their ability. So, they were given strict orders. They were told to put the money to work. They were told what to do, and they were given according to their ability, and they were told what to do with it. And two of them did it. One of them didn't. And when he didn't, he blamed the master for his failure. And I want to say to you that God has given you life. He's given you gifts. He's given you opportunities. He's given you provision. He has taken care of everything you need to accomplish His will and purpose for your life. I don't think you got that. Let me say it again. God has given you everything you need to accomplish His will and purpose for your life. So if your view of your life is that you're not doing what you ought to and it's not working, there's only one of two reasons. Number one, you either didn't listen to your master's command, so your view of your life is different than his view of your life. And some of that could be that some of you are paying attention to the 10,000 advertisements that hit your brain every day rather than the Word of God. You spend time on TikTok and Instagram and driving down the road and listening to the radio and you spend time watching whatever on TV and getting the messages and you get those 10,000 messages a day telling you what you ought to think and you never spend any time with God telling you what you really need to think. So some of you, your issue could be your life doesn't look like you think it ought to because you might have a wrong view of what your life needs to look like. Maybe owning a bigger house and driving a fancier car is not God's will for your life. All right. Second could be, second option there is, if your life doesn't look like you think it should, second option could be that you're just plain no misusing what God has given you. You're not taking advantage of the opportunities he's given you. You're not using the provision that he's provided for you. You're not handling it right. So, Matthew 25, 26, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew what I wanted and you didn't do it. And I wonder if that's what God's going to say to some of us. I've given you so much. I've given you everything you need to live a life that would satisfy your soul and build others up. And you spend all your time and your life and your money worried about you. By the way, by the way, do you know that the happiest people in the world are ones who think about others first? You can do research after research after research. People who are other-centered are always happier than people who are me-centered. Because if you're focused on me, you're never going to be happy. And some of you, the reason your life's not lived the way it ought to be is the only person you think about is I, 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 me, I. (laughs) Am I getting salty? I'm trying not to. If God thinks you need something to succeed, he'll give it to you. So let me ask you a question. God has given you a company. The company, mine is Kevin Crow Incorporated, LLC. Right? Now, I, hold on, wait. Let's just ask you a question. This is a Dave Ramsey question. You are a company, and your company is you, LLC, all right? You're it. 
And your life, your money, your health, the way you view life, your relationships, all those things is you and your company. Now, you have hired a manager to run your company. Your manager, I hired Kevin Crow to run Kevin Crow Incorporated, right? Now, if you were to do an outside audit of your management skills of this corporation, of your corporation, would you give your manager a raise or would you fire them? If you would fire them, then you need to change some stuff. If you'd give them a raise, come on, let's keep doing the good work, right? Okay, so stewardship demands accountability. That's what I just pointed out. Some of us need to give an accounting for the way we live our lives. And stewardship demands accountability so that you can reward good behavior, but also so you can punish bad behavior. You know, how do you reward good behavior? Jesus said this in Luke 16, 11, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You know, some of you have relationship issues and because you haven't handled some very simple, tangible things, how can God trust you with these bigger things? Am I making stuff up? All this is right out of scripture. I, because what was the message God gave us today? He stopped the service to say, I want to do something great through you. But you've got to change your mind to think my way. That sounds like my entire sermon. By the way, just real quick, I've wrestled with God about this message. I've used gimmicks in the past. I've, man, I thought of 50 different ways of presenting this message. I have no way of presenting this message except to simply do what I feel God laid on my heart today, which is to be very straightforward with you. Some of you need to fire you as the manager of your company. Your company's falling apart, and you're letting it happen. I had a kid one time. This is how you know you can trust. Give you a little trust a lot. I had a kid. They went to a skating party. So they were like 10, 12, something like that. They were going to a skating party, and all I had in my wallet was a $20 bill. So I gave them a $20 bill, knowing how much it cost to get in, to rent the skates and do that stuff and get their pop. I told them they could have a pop. And I gave them all this, and I gave them their money, and I sent them off to the party. And I gave them direct instructions. The instruction was, bring me home the change. You can pay for your skating, and you can get yourself a pop while you're there. But what did I say? Bring me home the change. And I gave them the $20 bill. When they came home, do you, do you know what happened? I called them over. I said, can I have my change? And sure enough, immediately reached in the pocket, pulled out the exact change of what it should have been, gave it to me, even with the change, you know, the, the coinage. I looked at them. I said, I like that. So I took all the money that was in my hand. You know what I did? What did I do? I'm a good dad. What did I do? I gave it back to him. Why would I give it back to him? Because he was honest, and he did what I told him to do. And if you do what you're told to do, then you get... And some of you, the reason you're not getting reward is because you're living your life, doing it your way, disobeying what God clearly has told you to do. So what has God told you to do? Well, you'll give an account, thirdly of all. Know this, God will call you to give an account. Romans 14.10, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. You know, we all will. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due for the things done in this body. We are good, or, whether good or bad. And since we know what it is, since I know what it is, to live this message, I'm trying to persuade you. 
Nothing I'm going to preach in this message is outside of my life. I live what I'm preaching to you. And since I know what it is to fear the Lord about this, and I know what the blessings are for this, I want to persuade you to step into this kind of lifestyle. So can we talk about what we want? Luke 12, 34 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I take this $100, as a matter of fact, I, I think I bought three, I think it was a total of three stocks the other day. I think the place I bought it for was like $64 a share. So I'm a rich stockbroker now. But I, I, you know, I had a couple of bucks that I needed to invest in my, my Roth. So what happened was I put some money in a stock that I've never owned before. Are y'all following me? I've never owned this stock before, so I bought like three shares. Never before in my life have I paid attention to whether that stock is going up or down. Not once. But I buy three shares of it, and what happens? Now it's on my phone. Then I know whether it's going up or down. Why? Because where I put my treasure, what happened to my mind and heart? It went here. Where you put your treasure, your heart follows. A lot of us think it's the other way. I have my heart, therefore I'll put my treasure into it. When God changes my heart, I will blah, blah. No, you put your treasure in first, and then your heart follows. Are y'all following me here? That, isn't that what it says? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart goes. It's not the opposite way around. So what I want to talk to you about is, how can you trust God with your eternal destiny and your eternal destination and not trust him with money? How can you say, I trust God to take me to heaven and not trust him with money? So we got, we got Kingdom Builders coming up. Kingdom Builders, next week, what we're going to do, that, that card in front of you, if you pick those up, you'll see the nine projects we're going to support. And you heard what we do. What we do just did this past week is we had some money left over from last year. So what did we do? Last week, we just gave it all away. Because what do we do with our Kingdom Builders money? Come on. Every dollar that comes into Kingdom Builders, what do we do? We give it away. Why do we give it away? Because we get to. It's fun. So if God's laid on your heart, Next week, we're going to do a one-day-to-change-the-world offering. What a one-day-to-change-the-world offering is this. We're going to take one day's wages. You work a certain number of days, take one of those days of wages, and you give it as an offering to kingdom builders, and we're going to give it to bless people in the world, ladies in countries where they have $300 changes their life. You know, you heard all this stuff. We're going to do this kind of stuff and make an impact on the world. And if you want to make a, a monthly pledge, you can do that. Next week, we're going to have a, like an old-fashioned uh, offering like I saw them do in Africa. We're going to put the buckets up front. We're going to have you during worship. You're going to bring up, we're going to sing a song. You're going to bring up your offering and your pledge forms. And that's at the bottom of that card. Everybody see the pledge form? Next week, we're doing that. Encourage you to do a one-day offering. I'm going to be doing it. Me and my wife have already agreed on the dollar amount we're going to give. So something we're just going to do. All right. So that's next week. But what I want to talk to you about now is when not, when not to make a pledge to kingdom builders. I'm going to tell you when you should not give money to kingdom builders. Y'all ready? If you aren't tithing. Because tithing is what you need to do. Kingdom builders is what you get to do. Why do you need to do it? 
All right, so Hebrews chapter 7 tells a story about a guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek was this Old Testament figure that uh, is a figure and symbol of Jesus. And Hebrews does a good job pointing that out. And it says, this is before the law, it says that this guy named Abraham, this Melchizedek was king of Salem, priest of God most high, and he met Abraham. Anybody know Abraham, the first father of faith, right? Abraham did what? He was returning from the feet of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a what? Tenth. What's a tenth? Take one tenth of a hundred percent, one tenth of it, and you give it to God. That's called a tithe. Now, tithing was practiced before the very first man of faith practiced it, and it's been practiced through the law ever since. And what did Jesus say about this tithing? He said in Matthew 23, 23, you give a tenth of your mint, dill, and cumin, and you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without what? Without neglecting giving of a tenth. Jesus says you're supposed to give a tenth. Abraham, all the way through, giving of a tenth is an appropriate response to God gave it to me, and he asked me to give 10% back. And this is where I'm going to offend some of you because there are no excuses. Let's look at a couple of things. What, what's it called if he would have kept my money again or he would have given me $90? You know, I asked him for $100 back and he, if he wouldn't have given it back to me, it'd be called what? It'd be called a thief. So what does God say about people who don't do what he simply asks them to do? What does he say? Malachi 3.8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes. You're doing it in these tithes and offerings. And then he says something. Y'all catch this? You are under a curse. The whole nation of you is under a curse. Some of you were really upset about the results of this week's election. Some of you were. And you say, and I've heard people say stuff like, our country's going to hell in the handbasket, all that kind of stuff. Let, let me just, let me simply point out something to you. Our nation is under a curse. If we're under a curse, it's not because of them. It's because of you. If you want things to change... The whole nation is under a curse because the people of God are not doing what we're told to do. If you want to change this world, change your behaviors. Start with you. Quit worrying about what's going on out there and fix what's going on with you. Am I making this up or is it there in black and white? It's in your Bible too, right? All right. Why is the whole nation under curse? Because you're robbing me. So do what? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What storehouse? Local church. In the past, I've said, if you don't believe, you know, we'll use it right. Give it down the street to another church, blah, blah, blah. And I'm okay with that, I guess, I guess. Listen, I wanted to do all kinds of stuff to soften this up today, and the Holy Spirit would not let me soften this up. I'm going to tell you, you need to bring the tithe into the place where you are getting ministry. If we're not managing it right, hold me accountable. You know, he says, test me in this. Listen to the test. Test me in this if I'll not open 
the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there's not room enough to store it. Test him, test him, test him. I had people talk to me after the service saying, you know, I, te- I tithed when I made $4,000. Somehow that year I gave $8,000. I don't know how I did it, but you know, all of our needs were met and we gave $8,000 and I only had $4,000 all I made that year. Can you explain that to me? Can you explain to me how when I made $6,200 30-something dollars, and that was my W-2 for the year. We, me and my wife lived an entire year. There were no, there's no gimmicks. That's what we made, and yet we paid tithes on it, and yet we didn't miss a single bill on anything, and we got ahead during the year. Can you explain that to me? I was reading it in this book. Guy's talking about it. Same thing, him and other people's stories. Test God. Do you know what? Why... <sighs> I know, I know. There are some of you saying, oh, preacher wants my money. No, I don't. I passionately want your heart to be devoted to God. And some of you, this right here is standing between you and God, and you're not living in blessings because you're too dang cheap to trust God. And you're missing His blessings. Do you know what else happens? Let's look at this. Oh, oh, but this past year, you know, will a man rob God? This past year, do you know somebody stole our church van? Do y'all know that? It was sitting out here in the parking lot. Somebody came up, they hotwired the van, and they drove the thing away. And, uh, you know, we haven't found it. We're still wrestling with the insurance company, all kinds of things. Somebody stole a church van. I tell people that story, and they're like, what kind of person? What kind of person steals from a church? And you know what? I sit and I look at this crowd, and you're robbing God, just like the person who stole from the church van. Don't you dare look down your nose at them. If you're not doing right yourself. Pastor, you're really going hard. Yes, because the Holy Spirit told me to do it this way. I want to be nice and gentle, but the fact of the matter is I don't think we have time. We don't have time to keep goofing around and claiming to be Christians and not actually trying it. Hey, guy, chapter 1, verse 9, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, God says, I blew it away. You're you making more money now than you've ever made and you have less to show for it. Do you know why? Because God's against you. He's blowing it away. He's destroying it. You know why he's destroying it? He's destroying it because you're not honoring him. He's the owner of it all, and you're acting like you are. And he's tired of you spitting in his face and yet saying, I trust you. When not to make a kingdom builder's pledge? If you're not tithing. So here's what I want you to do. Oh, you know what it's like to come in and leave a kingdom builder's pledge and not tithe? Do you know what it's like? It's like going to a restaurant, running up like a $75, $80 bill, pulling two bucks out of your pocket. When the bill comes, she brings the check. You look at the check, you leave it laying on the table, you don't pay it, you just throw three bucks a tip on the table and get up and walk away. What do you call a person that throws three bucks on the table for a tip for a $75 check and walks away without paying the check? What do you call them? A thief. I don't want you to make a pledge to kingdom builders if you're not trying to honor God the way he told you to. 
I'm not asking you to give money. I'm asking you to give your heart. One final thing, then I'll be done, all right? All right. I'll land this real quick. How do you do it? How do you do it? So do you know over and over and over again, studies, secular studies, Christian studies, all kinds of studies have shown the secret to building wealth starts with one simple thing. Do you know what the secret is? It's not tithing. What it is, is it is simply creating a budget. Do you know that's the secret to building wealth? Do you guys realize that? The secret to building wealth is to create a budget. Well, guess what? The first thing you do in a budget is you figure out what you have coming in. And then you figure out how you're going to send it out. Are, are y'all following this? I mean, this is rocket science. I get $10. What am I going to do with the $10? How will you know what to do with $10 unless you actually count how much money you actually have? So the very first part of tithing, you ready for this? The very first part of what God commands us to do is that you take an accounting of how much you make. I was talking to a couple not long ago. Their marriage is in ruins. Because they're fighting about, come on. Oh, wow, you guys got it. I asked them, how much do you make? Well, about. I'm like, no, well, about. How much do you make? They don't know. Their whole financial world is falling apart because they're not doing the very basic thing God asked them to do. Now their relationships are falling apart and their whole world's falling apart because God says, first, figure out what you make and then take a percentage and give it to me first. By the way, to figure out what you're going to give, you actually started the first two steps of budgeting, which is the thing that causes you to get ahead. I don't know how to be more passionate about this except to simply say to you, I have something better for you than how you're living. Please receive it. So what do we do? 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So you start with a percentage. Maybe you can't do 10%. I'm fine with that. Maybe you can't do 5%. Whatever. Start with a percentage. I don't care what it is, but you got to figure out what you make and then set a percentage. And then you do this. You give it to God. You'll get that. It's not only a percentage, it's priority. It is the priority. Now, I've been through there. I've been where we didn't have, knowing, going into the month, we don't have enough money to get us through the month. Anybody ever been there? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I have been there. I still wrote my tide check. I still laid it on, because I love to do this. I write the tide check, and I lay it on the desk where I pay the bills. I put my hand on it. I say, take that, devil. Because I now got God's blessing over what's left rather than him blowing it away. All right, and then what do you do? You do this consistently. It's a percentage, it's priority, and it's regular. Why do I say these words? Acts 20, 35. Remembering the Lord's own words. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm going to come down here and talk to you guys. I told you, I've, I've been fighting with God. I like to be Mr. Nice Guy. I like to be liked. I don't, want to, I don't want to come here and tick everybody off today. I really don't want to. And I know money's one of those things people get ticked off about. And I, you know, I, I, I know. I've been where you are. I've heard them. I, I've felt the feelings you feel. I've fought those same emotions you're feeling. But can I tell you why this is so real to me? 
God has given me an order that I am to raise up a Daniel generation at this church. A generation of kids following us who will believe in God and be solid to Jesus Christ in the middle of a world that's lost its mind. It is my job to raise up emotionally healthy, spiritually strong and stable, godly next gen out of this church. That is my job. Does everybody understand? And God wants me to let you know that they won't learn it if I'm just talking it because mom and dad have to prove it to them that it works. And it is time for mom and dad to quit pretending that they believe in God and actually take the steps to live for God. Because if you want your kids to value God, to be emotionally, spiritually, and physically healthy in the middle of a crazy world, it's up to you and I to work together to set an environment where that happens. And that won't happen as long as you keep playing games. So I'm not talking to you about you. I'm talking to you about those kids in the nursery. They need to see faith lived out. And if you're like, I'm just not, I can't do that. Then why don't you just have a talk with God and tell them the truth. God, I just don't trust you. I'm not, that's not negative what I just said because some of you don't trust him. It's about time you just go ahead and admit it to him. He already knows it and then you can have an honest discussion about how to fix it. Just go ahead and say, God, I just don't trust you. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep pushing you to step into faith all the way and to quit this Christian on Sunday and not a Christian Monday through Saturday garbage. I'm going to be pushing you because too much rides on it for us to act like it doesn't matter. And you say, what does money have to do with that? Money has to do with the fact that if you're not doing what God tells you to do, you're only half in. Your treasure is in your stuff, not in God. This is straightforward. I know how to be. And I'm doing so as kind as I know how because you're ready for this. I want something better for you. I want you to be able to stand like that guy did right here after first service and say, I couldn't believe that I only made $4,000. I gave $8,000. Every bill I paid, I don't know how that happened. And he reached and gave me a big bear hug. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If your kids hear that testimony, are you following me here? You don't need You don't need another Browns outfit. Come on. They're going to change the player next week. I'm done. What I want to ask you is, are you willing to step in and really follow Jesus? Are you going to keep pretending? And if you don't want to do it and you're really struggling with it, would you at least talk to him about it? And let him speak to your heart about how to get around it. Is that fair? I have decided to follow.